This is Novel Marketing. I'm James L. Rubart. I'm Thomas Emstadt Jr. And this is the show for novelists who hate marketing but still want to become best-selling authors. Now, Thomas, before we get started, I have to mention this email we got from Melanie Archer. She basically says, who are you? I can't understand your names when you say them in the podcast. And it is pretty funny that you end up with two guys doing a podcast who have two of the most unusual names you've ever heard of. Don't you think? Yeah, that it, I, my whole life I've been the only person other than my family with my last name, which means that domains are easy to register, but it also means that uh, no one ever knows how to spell it. That's the same with Rubart, because Rubart, R-U-B-A-R-T, to me seems very simple. But all my life, telemarketing calls and teachers and coaches, Rupert, Robert, Robart, <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Rhubarb. Rupert? <laughs> rhubarb yeah very hard to get so so melanie you make a really good point i'm james l r u b a r t and he is thomas umstat it's u-m-s-t-a-t-t-d we'll put some about information on our website eventually uh the other thing she pointed out is that we didn't have an about page which was kind of embarrassing uh but uh yeah, so we, we're going to fix that, right? Yeah, we're going to actually get a website at some point. And, All right, and that's I just like a it. placeholder. So, <laughs> like it. anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, today we are going to talk about building your confidence uh, as an author, uh, which kind of involves a little bit of marketing to yourself. That's exactly what it is. We have to market to ourselves. We have to have lines and attitudes and slogans that we tell ourselves, so that we can build this confidence because one of the toughest things about being an author is what putting your stuff out there bleeding on the page and then putting the page out there and saying do you like it which in a sense is saying do you like me and it's real easy to say oh I'm just offering them something they might not like the something I'm offering but if you have really bled on the page it's it can be incredibly difficult to get that rejection and that really can erode your confidence so we're gonna talk about marketing yourself to yourself so, yo, dog, I heard you like marketing, so I'm going to put your marketing in your marketing. <laughs> so, oh, But seriously, confidence is a big thing, and a lot of uh, authors feel like they don't have the confidence to really put themselves out there. So, Jim, what would you say, uh, you know, give us some encouragement on how we can become uh, more confident, uh, not just in our writing, but also in our marketing. Well, first of all, no, you're not alone. You are not alone. A lot of people listening right now are saying, should I quit? Should I just give up on this thing? And people quit all the time. No, you shouldn't. You are not alone. There are so many people feeling the same thing as you are. And I'll be real vulnerable vulnerable right now and say that my last manuscript I turned into my publisher, they said, you know what, Jim? This one really isn't working. <laughs> it's like, what? But you're it's, a best-selling author. Yeah, You've written so like all these books. How, you yeah. know, that's not supposed to happen to you. You've no, arrived. That's right. It's always going to work. And the reality is it doesn't always work. This has happened to friends of mine as well where their publisher just goes, you know what? This one just isn't firing on all cylinders. you got to go back to the drawing board. And so right now I am back at the drawing board. I'm actually uh, really a long ways down that road, but I had to go back and start rewriting the book from scratch. And my editor and I, editor and I talked, and we both agreed, you can probably find, oh, a good 5% from the, the old manuscript oh, man. that will work in the new one. So 95% of it isn't working. So you have to make a decision right then, am I going to let the fact that this one didn't work affect the new one? And again, being honest, 
it does affect it. And I have to say, no, Jim, that one just didn't work. It doesn't mean you can't write anymore. But that message, if I allow it to, will derail me. So you got to be really careful not to, to let that happen. And this is the path of being an artist. Uh, if you truly mm. want to be an artist, you're always challenging yourself, which means you're always failing. If you, As soon as you camp, as soon as you kind of settle where you're at, where you're comfortable, you're no longer an artist. You're just a worker. Uh, you know, there are people in um, that just paint someone else's painting over and over again. They're not doing art. There's no risk because they're doing the same thing they've always done. And so realize that dealing with rejection and dealing with failure is something that every single author deals with. Uh, every single. That's such a great point, Thomas. I know at this stage of my career, I know a lot of authors, a lot of best-selling authors, a, a lot of authors that have achieved quite a bit in their career. And I only know one out of all the authors I know I, I know that has not faced significant rejection. Only one. But is uh, that author published yet? It, that has faced no rejection? Yeah. Well, no, they're not published yet. <laughs> <laughs> I rest my case. They haven't submitted anything. <laughs> <laughs> I know a ton of writers who've never, you know, been rejected because they never submitted anything, never uh, had an opportunity to fail. That's that's right. That's right. I I I remember my dream publisher rejecting my manuscript, and I thought this would be it. Right? I get this email from the publisher himself saying, "I'd like to see your manuscript," and I thought this is it. Um, and a few days later, he wrote back and said, "Ah, this isn't." really going to work for us. And I was devastated because I thought this was the moment. And I was stepped out on the back deck of my house and Darcy came out there and she said, what's up? And I said, they don't want it. And she said, well, you have a choice to make right now. You need to decide whether you are a writer or not, no matter what anybody else ever says. And that was a significant turning point because it, it didn't happen instantly, but I decided I don't care. I'm going to be a writer. And I believe in myself as a writer. If I never get published, I'm going to believe that. And after that, my I ended up getting an agent. After that happened, I ended up getting an agent. He shopped my first novel to everyone. Everyone said no. And my friends were more upset about it than me because <laughs> they'd read it, loved the book. and But I was like, nope, doesn't matter if it get, gets rejected. I'd made the decision. I'm a writer. And so that will help you if you choose to make that decision. So, Jim, let's say I'm a writer and I'm thinking about quitting. And I, I've just gotten some really bad rejection. I hi, Let's say I hired an editor to help me fix my manuscript and I get the edits back and I spent all this money and I realize this manuscript is just bleeding. I, every single page is broken and I'm just, I just want to quit. What advice do you have for me? I would get perspective. I would try to get perspective really hard because, again, that's like you're rejecting me. Um, here's the perspective I need you to have. This is an old anecdote, but it bears repeating, Thomas. And that is the story of the brain surgeon and the author who went golfing one day. And they wind up on the third tee. And the brain surgeon says, you are not going to believe what I'm going to do this summer. And the author says, what are you going to do? I'm taking six weeks off, short sabbatical, and I'm going to write a book. And the author says, oh my gosh, unbelievable coincidence. I'm taking six weeks off this summer as well, and I'm going to become a brain surgeon. <laughs> 
And, and the reason you have to keep that in perspective is because people who have been writing all their life in grade school and junior high and high school and college and, and, and even maybe at their job, they write for the news, company newsletter or the church bulletin or that kind of thing. They think they can write. And the reality is you have to work at it like a brain surgeon. And so if you get that edit back and it's just bleeding with red, you have to say, you know what? I'm, I'm learning to be a brain surgeon. I'm going to take that stuff and I'm going to learn to – uh, follow the craft in a way I haven't be ab been able to follow before. And here's what's interesting. I have a friend, and I'm not going to say his name because a lot of people know him, but he is writing a book right now, an allegory. And he sent me the manuscript, said, take a look at this. The content is brilliant. In other words, the story, the content is brilliant. But the way it's written, and this guy was a very successful pub publisher, the way it's written it needs a lot of work just from a craft standpoint. That's a nice way of saying it's boring. <laughs> no, it's not boring. It's not boring. It, it's actually really good, but it's just it's not written well. Yeah. And so I'm excited to go back and, and help him write it better because the content is there. And it's simply he needs to learn the craft. He needs to practice it. So that's one of the things to do is get perspective. And I imagine as you get better at the craft, your confidence grows with that. So as you get uh, competence, builds confidence. Absolutely. The, the, the better you get, the more confidence you have in pushing the envelope in, as you were talking about earlier, instead of writing the same book over and over again, you're pushing the envelope. You're like a musician saying, I've never tried rock before. I'm going to try rock. Now I'm going to try folk. Now I'm going to try something a little bit new. You know, remember when Dylan went from acoustic to electric? Well, no, neither one of us do because I don't think either <laughs> one of us were alive, but still it lives on that that was a significant move. And so as an artist, once you understand your craft, it frees you up to do things you weren't able to do before and have the confidence to do it. That's good. So what are some other things that we can do to build our confidence as we move forward in our writing and in our marketing, especially? It's find people who, like the editor, find people who will mentor you, will be honest with you. And it's not just editors. I'm talking about first readers, and I have three first readers that I send my manuscript to every time, and I say, what do you think of this? And to go back to my earlier manuscript, this is interesting, because two of them really liked this manuscript that my publisher didn't like. The third really respect her opinion. She wrote back and she said, Jim, it's not working. Sorry, got to tell you. So you have to find people that are not editors, but are real live readers to look at your material and tell you what's good and what's not good, that can actually build your confidence because when they say, wow, that really is working, they really mean it. So one of the things you can do is find honest people who will critique your work. Again, not editors, not professionals, but actual readers who read in your genre. And preferably folks who are truthful but also kind because you don't want them yes. in building their credibility to tear you down so much where you're like, I'm a worm, I'm not worthy. <laughs> That's um, right. Because we all start off as bad writers and it takes time and it takes everybody time. And so we need kindness uh, while we are getting better. So what are some ways that we can market ourselves to ourselves to get that more uh, confidence? Well, you can tell yourself that whatever the area of life is, if it's worth having, it's going to be hard to get it. Here's another way you can do that. The, the way you can show yourself evidence, because it's, it's one thing to go, no, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. It's another thing. If you can point to people in the entertainment industry and go, you know what? 
took them a long time too. Took him a long time, her a long time. And so I'd encourage you to watch Biography, the show on A&E. Watch Biography. And you see all these unbelievably successful people in writing, in acting, in music, in painting, all across the board. And without fail, all of them have this period of great struggle, of learning their craft, of being rejected again and again and again. And here's the good news. Most people do quit. Right? Which yeah. means what? There's room at the top for the person who says, <laughs> I'm not quitting. I'm going to gut this thing out. I'm going to continue to learn. I'm going to take my bruises. But seriously, watch biography. It will be inspiring to you. That's a way to market to yourself saying, hey, everybody struggled. Everybody. Another way that I like uh, to do, in addition to reading biographies, which I love to read, is to read epic fantasy in fiction. Uh, there's a quote, it's by Tolkien or, or C.S. Lewis, I forget which, who said, uh, fantasy isn't true because it tells us that dragons are real. It is true because it tells us that dragons can be beaten. Ooh, wow. And, and it's just like, th- there's a power in fiction and reading the kind of fiction, and, and really almost every kind of fiction has an element of this, some more than others, where you know, the protagonist, bad things are happening. You know, that's what makes it a fun story. And that's that overcoming of the challenges that is the essence of, you know, the hero's journey or how, whatever formula you're using or method you're using to write the story. But that's what makes it fun and kind of seeing yourself and your own hero's journey. And it's kind of having some perspective of, you know, something bad really happens. It's like, whoa, this is a big low. This must be end of act two. Good things are about to start happening. <laughs> you know, you pick yourself up and you go about it again. Um, another thing that you might consider to get some perspective is to write yourself a letter from the future you know oh, so I love that. Have, have like a conversation with your deathbed self you know about what's really important and often if you think about you know if you could write your past self a letter what would you say you know your accomplishments you know what got published what didn't get published is often not as important as the way that you tried and and the kind of person that you were along the way another cool tool is a website called futureme.org are you familiar with this Jim? No, I'm not. So you go there and you can send yourself a letter in the future and they will, you pay them a small fee and then they have a little thing. And in a year, they'll actually send you that letter on that day. So you're like, I want to get a letter on my birthday a year from now or five years from now or whatever. And you can write yourself a letter so you can send yourself encouragement. So when you're at the top of the mountain and you realize there's a valley coming up, you're going to go write yourself encouragement, kind of help give yourself some perspective. And you're like, oh, that's right. Here's what's really important. Um, Because our identity doesn't come from our accomplishments. And when it does, then your accomplishments rule who you are. And that is a very backwards, twisted way to live. Because in reality, when you're on your deathbed, you're not talking about your accomplishments. No. You're, no, talk- you're not talking about how many books you published. <laughs> you're not. You're, exactly. You're, ta- you're talking about your relationships. And you're talking about the other things that are important. And so you don't, you don't want to give up because giving up uh, you know, will, could be something that you regret on your deathbed. But you also don't want to push so hard that you burn your, your relationships along the way. Another thing you can do is some of you have rejection slips. (laughs) All of you probably have rejection slips. So what do you do with those things? And and I'm part of an email loop. And this gal asked uh, the loop, what should I do with all these rejections? I've got like 133 rejections. What do I do with those? And this is a multi-published author. Well, yeah, this is a... (laughs) <laughs> a major award-winning multi-published author. So, yeah, exactly right. And 
and there were some really creative suggestions, but one of them I just loved was you should take those, put them all up on a wall, you know, paste them to a wall and then take a picture of that for, for a memory, not only for yourself of what you've accomplished, but you can use that now to encourage other people that, that are not so far along the path. Or you can just throw them away and move on. Just burn them. <laughs> yeah. just burn that's them. that's my strategy. It's like, uh, thank you for sharing your opinion, and I will move on uh, with my life. So ultimately, you know, confidence is something that you practice. It, it's not like there's some magic bullet. And, uh, you know, a 15-minute podcast isn't going to be like, yeah, if you just, you know, dance this special dance, you'll become a more confident person. But ultimately, true confidence is born out of truth. And you can't lie your way to confidence. You can't deceive yourself into confidence. You can um, do that for a short period of time, perhaps, and get away with it. But ultimately, the kind of true confidence is going to come from competence, and competence comes from practice. And practice means failing. <laughs> so It does. And also, <clears throat> confidence comes from trying. Right. Simply trying and, and, and even possibly failing that. There's a story in the Bible about the talents where one guy gets 10, one gets five, one gets one. The only guy that the, the, the master really hammers on is the guy that did nothing. He took the talent, he buried it in the ground. There's no mention of somebody that tried and failed. It's only the guy who did nothing with it. And so simply by the act of trying, you will gain confidence. There's a saying that I love, anything worth doing is worth doing badly <laughs> so true <laughs> and we could do a whole podcast on that and we won't right now but but just try even if you fail you will feel better about yourself a year down the road or a week down the road that you tried than if you did absolutely nothing i want to leave you all with a story of jesus going through a season of failure you know, a lot of people you think, oh, the Bible wouldn't record any times when Jesus failed. But actually, there was a season right after he was done in the wilderness being tempted. He goes to Nazareth, which is his hometown. And it's the only place where he was unable to do miracles because of their lack of faith. And then he goes to the synagogue to preach and he offends everybody. But being obedient like he was, he continued preaching after he had offended everyone. And they were so angry with him, they took him out of the synagogue and tried to push him off a cliff. <laughs> I was like, you know, if that had happened to me, like I went on a speaking engagement somewhere and I offended everyone, I'd be really depressed. You know, if a couple of folks come up to me afterwards and they're like, you really offended me. But if they were so angry, they were trying to kill me afterwards. I'd be like, that was not a very successful speaking engagement. <laughs> and so it was like, why did God allow Jesus to go through that fail failure? And first is that failure is not sin. You're not sinning against God when you fail. All the heroes of the faith fail. Failure is a very much a part of life. In fact, most of the prophets failed. Nobody listened to them, and they are considered heroes of the faith. Most of the heroes of history uh, failed, and, they're, you know, and we look up to them and we admire them. And he had to be tested uh, and experience what we experience uh, and, and yet not sin. And so I want to encourage you that uh, there's a lot more I could say about that, but you know, I don't want to preach or anything but if jesus who most people look up to could walk through a season of failure and be okay then it's going to be okay for you as well and i know that some of you may be very discouraged right now uh, but ultimately you're not always going to be in the place that you're in at this current moment and i'll just throw one final thought out a lot of you are familiar with a book called the war of art 
lot of you are familiar with The Art of War, right? This is The War of Art. Stephen Pressfield wrote this, and Seth Godin was the one that really put this book on the map because he started talking about it. I would suggest, even if you go to the library and pick up a copy of The War of Art, it will be an incredible encouragement to you in terms of marketing to your own perspective. <clears throat> All right. This edition of the Novel Marketing Podcast is brought to you by My Book Table, the number one WordPress bookstore plugin. If you have a book, and hopefully, uh, if you don't have a book yet, you will have a book soon. Uh, My Book Table is the best way to sell your book on your own website. It makes making book pages very easy, it makes them beautiful, and it even helps you make extra money from sites like Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And remember, if you enjoy the Novel Marketing Podcast, we would love it if you would tell a friend. Just email them and say, hey, you might check out the Novel Marketing Podcast. And if you have a marketing question, send it to us. We'd love to tackle it. We love doing the Q&A. I guess we do it about every 25 episodes. We do the Q&A extravaganza, <laughs> and we'd love to do one with your question. You've been listening to the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between.